This is the Wired Up Sports Podcast with Jerry Peralta and Josh Coleman. Okay, this has been one heck of a week. And I mean, it's been crazy. And honestly, I can't wait to finally get away from midterms. It's fall break. And I mean, Josh, it's just been a crazy week. Sports world has been crazy. But for those of you who are listening, uh, uh, the the Associated Student Government has partnered up with eSports and uh, they are hosting a CMU Smash Brothers tournament. Um, if you want to be a part of it, the check-ins start at 12, so in about an hour or so, and soon, and hopefully at 1, they'll be giving away Nintendo Switch. They have prizes. Yeah, they have a lot of really cool prizes. I believe the Nintendo Switch, there's a Nintendo gift card. Yeah. I wish I was good at Super Smash Bros, or I would enter that tournament. Yeah, or, or you also wish that we weren't busy with this. <laughs> yeah, I wish I wasn't. Because by the time we get done, the check-in's already over at that point. Mm-hmm. But if, if uh, from what we were told, that there's a few slots left, so if you really want to be a part of it, make sure you sign up for that. Again, the check-in for that starts at 12, and the actual competition starts at 1. It's going to be in the UC ballroom. So if you want to go hang out, just watch some people play each other in Smash, try to see who wins the Switch, or if you want to try and win a Nintendo Switch, you can go participate in that. But, I mean, Josh, getting back to our original topic, sports. We are a sports podcast, believe that or not. We are not, you know. <laughs> we do discuss the sports every once in we, a while. Every once in a while, not a lot. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not like this is the the sports podcast of the radio station uh, <laughs> uh, but how have you been i didn't even ask you that i have been oh so stressed out jerry and after our show today i i don't get off the clock and stop working until probably 10 11 tonight oh same here yeah i'm gonna be pretty busy too fun fall break for for us right jerry yeah but hey you know what it'll be worth it because tomorrow Colorado Mason University will be playing their first, would you say, like, non-sanctioned? Yeah, they're non-sanctioned NCAA games, but they're, it's also, like, non-conference. There's no championship schedule for the automatic football. It's just just football for the players to, you know, for seniors to play out their senior year and, uh, you know, and for fans who can make it, for them to have a good time, they will be taking on the Chadron State. Is Chadron, is it Chadron State? Shadron State. Yeah, Shadron State Eagles, which is going to be a fun one tomorrow. And if you do want to go to the game, you are going to have to pre-purchase or get tickets in advance and because you, you cannot get them at the stadium. Yeah. But, Josh, let's just get into it. NBA Finals. Game five is tonight. And, I mean, we had a discussion last night about whether whether or not this game was important for LeBron James. I believe you said it was. Yes. And I said no. Uh, I mean, I I personally just said it wasn't just because at this point they're going to be, if any, if the Lakers lose, nobody's going to be looking at LeBron James, in my opinion. They're going to look at Anthony Davis because the Lakers went out of their way. They gave up a bunch of stuff for him. And I think that's ultimately what's going to happen is Anthony Davis is kind of, would be kind of that scapegoat for LeBron. 
So I think I think that's fair. I think a lot of people would look at Anthony Davis and say, you know, losing this series is a fair amount on you. But I I disagree with that. All of the blame would be go on Anthony Davis because this is the second year LeBron has been with the Lakers. Last year he dealt with some injury issues, did not make the playoffs, didn't even play, I believe, the last, like, 20 games of the season. But I think it hurts LeBron more if if they lose this because, one, it would be Anthony Davis' first NBA Finals, and LeBron, this will be his, I believe, 10th NBA Finals. Something like that. He's 3-9 and nine so far. If he lose, or not 3-9, and 3-6, and six, sorry. Yes, uh, three, and, three six, and six because he's been to nine mm-hmm. and he's got three. Yes, three, three and six so far in the NBA Finals. I think if he loses this series somehow, the Heat come back from a three-one deficit. It hurts him more because he's always been in that greatest of all time conversation. And Anthony Davis, as good of a player as he is, he's not gonna get there. I think LeBron, if he ends up losing this series, his legacy is tarnished much more than Anthony Davis's would ever be. Oh, I'm not saying it's going to tarnish Anthony Davis's legacy. In fact, it it will tar- this will put a, a a smudge on LeBron James's legacy, but I'm just saying though it, they're going to look more towards Anthony Davis to the cuz the it's going to be all about oh, well you didn't step up when it counted or whatnot. And I mean, last 2 weeks ago when we last did the show, um I said that if the Lakers were to play the Heat, the Heat could win, but they would win in seven games. And I, I wish I didn't have to, but I, I at this point, I'm going to retract that statement, and here's why. The way, yes, the Heat managed to take over, and that was in game three. And that, in that game, Jimmy Butler went off, and everything started to look positive. Oh, the Heat are going to finally have a chance to... They're going to have a chance to come back. They're, they're going to be able to at least get another game in and then tie the series. Nope. What did the Lakers do? Immediately after, in Game 4, the Lakers pretty much told the Heat, that loss was a fluke. You didn't beat us. We beat ourselves. And we hurt ourselves. And I mean, in no... I mean, come on. The Heat without Bam Adebayo and... and uh, Goran Dragic, they looked so much better in that game three when those two were out than they do with Dragic. That game four was when Dragic came back, or no, Adebayo came back. Mm -hmm. And they did not look that good at all, if I'm going to be, if I'm going to say so. I did not get the chance to fully watch that game. I I will agree that well, have, I'm also looking at stat lines because that because no, that's that's fair. I do agree that the Heat have looked, um, maybe not better, but more in sync without Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo on the floor, and I think that's just because they got hurt early in in this series. They got hurt actually in the Eastern Conference Finals, and they didn't even play Game One. Or was it the other way around? They played it was the game other one. way around. Okay. They got hurt. They got hurt because it was game. game... Yeah, it was game one. Yeah, because game one they got injured, and this will be Dragic's third game out. So, but that's still it's it, it's still it's it's very much concerning. Yes, when you are missing, you're missing two key players and shooters. 
and and Adebayo's your like go-to guy for rebounds too. He's, yeah, he's, he's the one who gets your boards. But it's concerning when you're missing those guys and you come out looking okay, maybe not so much better, but they looked better yeah. without they, those two guys on the court than they did with them at the start of the series. I think they look more unselfish, and I think it's partially because they have to be. Like, Jimmy Butler is averaging currently right now, I believe, 10 assists point per game. Hold on, I got to find it in my notes. It's 10 assists per game. Jimmy Butler doesn't usually average those kind of assist numbers, and I think it's because... He was forced to take on so much of the scoring load, facilitating load with Goran Dragic out. So I think the heat equation or equate to looking a little bit better or a little more in sync right now because they're forced to play more as a team where Goran Dragic can beat guys one-on-one, can take people off the dribble and pull up from mid-range or get to the rim. I I think that with the heat right now, you're right. They don't really have a chance to win this because they were going to have to win in seven. And I figured after game one, after I saw Drogic and Adebayo's injury, that they didn't really have a shot because, as you mentioned, Adebayo's their main rebounding threat. He's their biggest player on the team. But they add more than just those stats that show up in, in the box score. And same with Jimmy Butler. But Jimmy doesn't get those same kind of opportunities to be an effort player all the time without Drogic and Adebayo because he's forced to take on that scoring load. And right now he's averaging 27.5 points per game, which is probably higher than he would have averaged if they were there because, as I mentioned, and I will stress on this, he is forced to do more than he is used to doing. But this Heat team is very young, inexperienced. Tyler Hero is their second-leading scorer in this finals team in this final series with 17.3 points per game. And he's 20. It's a, He's a rookie. This team is very young. They will be back within the next five years. I think this is kind of a, a Nuggets situation that you have going uh, that, on with the Heat. Yeah, I feel uh, this is a very Denver Nuggets situation. You have a young team where you have that key starter that they went out and got. You know, granted, I would never compare Paul Millsap to Jimmy Butler because Jimmy Butler <laughs> Good. Is, is leaps and bounds better. But I mean, the Nuggets did pay out, did put out and pay Paul Millsap the Heat most likely after this after this run are probably going to look to give Jimmy Butler maybe even more money. Um, and I mean very Denver Nuggets situation where they're going to be able to go far. And it plays to their fat. It plays to the Heat's favor in the East because this obviously was a team that nobody expected to really come in and win. There was only one team in the East, maybe two, that people looked at and said, if they play the Lakers, they are winning. That was Milwaukee. And you know what? I was one of those people I said if Milwaukee and the Lakers go head to head, that the Milwaukee will come away because Milwaukee's got a, I feel a much more versatile shooting arsenal, and plus yet plus you put Giannis Ante Tecumpo on LeBron or AD. I think he would go on AD, wouldn't he? Uh, it would depend on how they wanted to play it, but realistically, yeah, you would put him on AD. So they would put him on AD, and I feel Giannis's defensive skills would kind of outmatch. AD in a way. Um, so 
and the and the East obviously is not one of is not as big of the powerhouse as they used at or not they used to be they used Back to in be the 90s, as it used they to were be really good as they used to be you know now you're three teams in the East that are probably always going to be good unless there's a drastic change they're going to be Milwaukee Toronto and the Heat now in Boston don't oh. forget Boston Boston okay okay four teams yes I I but but yeah, after those top four teams, it's a steep, steep drop off of yeah. talent and real contenders. Yeah, I mean you'll get teams who will make the playoffs, like maybe the Atlanta Hawks or the Indiana Pacers. But I mean, realistically, it's just the West is just there's more there's more teams in the West that could do damage than teams in the East. Um, there in, in the East there is almost every year at least one to two teams who get into the playoffs with a losing record and in the west it's a bloodbath for the last four spots yeah we saw a bloodbath for the last spot yeah it's it's that's where phoenix suns really see it uh, it still baffles me the phoenix suns (laughs) had the perfect record in the bubble and they still they still get booted It, it made me laugh so hard that the Suns got booted after going 8-0 in the bubble. Hey, you know what? If anybody's a champion in the bubble, it's the Suns. They never lost a game. How many games <laughs> have the Lakers lost in a bubble? Uh, They've lost one in each series. So, about, so that's four in the playoffs, and then I think they lost three in the regular season. So se- seven in the bubble. Yeah. That's solid. Yeah. yeah, that's a very good, that's a very solid record, but they were undefeated. Phoenix Suns were. <laughs> I, I'm going to say this, though. If the Lakers somehow lose tonight, there's Lakers fans. I, I doubt you are going to be. And, um, and Heat fans don't get overhyped. The Heat are not going to. It's not going to be a concern for the Lakers. If they lose, somehow lose tonight, they're winning that next game. Yeah. They're going to shut out this series. The, there's no way the Heat can win three in a row. There's if it does, oh, I don't know. I'll, it'll be I'll, the greatest comeback in finals history. Yeah, well, you know, it'll be on par with the Cleveland Cavaliers beating Golden State Warriors coming back from a 3-1. The yeah. reason I say it would be the greatest comeback in finals history well, is because this is a young team. team had LeBron and Kyrie, and who are tremendous players. This Heat team has, has Jimmy Butler and a... Outside of that, they're really young and inexperienced. Yeah. If they manage to well, pull off a three to one comeback in this NBA Finals, oh, this Heat team may be looked at as one of the greatest playoff teams of all time. I'm not saying the, but one of because one, one of, of what the, they were able to do and the fact that nobody was expecting them to even get to this series. Well, yeah. And I mean, you definitely look at this uh, is a very young team, very inexperienced team. Yes, Jimmy Butler is a great player and he's been in the playoffs before, but this is his, this was his first time in a conference finals. This, and this is his first time in the actual finals. So inexperience all around. And we said this last night on our other sports show, crossing the line, which you could go check out on YouTube. Um, little plug there. (laughs) Just a little plug. Um, (laughs) we even said, whoever wins this finals is the team that is the most mentally tough coming into the bubble. Cause at the, you don't have fans. You've been stuck in the same place since July. So for about, 
for about four, five, four or five months here at this point because I think they had to go. I think yeah, they were there early. I think it was eighty-one days when the Nuggets were still in the playoffs, yeah. so it's probably getting to a hundred now. Yeah, they're it's relatively close now to to being there almost a hundred days. So and you've been stuck there. You have not been allowed to leave. The the work staff has not been allowed to interact with you, and you have to stay in a designated area whenever you are not playing in games or going to practice. This is. Whoever wins this is going to be the most mentally tough team in the NBA. Most likely it will be the Lakers, but not – I wouldn't even say the Lakers are mentally tough. I would just say who is going to stop them at this point? The Heat – you even said this the last time we talked about it. The Heat don't have a size advantage Mm-mm. on the Lakers, and, and the Lakers are just going to use that to their advantage. They're going to win. Nine, nine times out of ten, they will win those matchups. The Lakers' three centers are bigger than Bam Adebayo. With Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, and JaVel McGee, they're all either the same size or bigger than Bam. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what you could do at that point, but that's up for interpretation. When we come back, we're going to change gears here. The NFL MVP race is starting to heat up, and we're just a quarter of, a way through, quarter of the way through the season. Gary Peralta, Josh Coleman, wired up. Yeah, talking NBA, and especially considering tonight's Game Five, it's kind of it's going to be very interesting what happens there. But changing gears here, the NFL MVP race has been heating up, and I mean heating up. There's been a lot of talks for which quarterback's going to get it. You know, uh, who's going to be the most consistent throughout the season? And I mean, as of right now, Josh and I. We, Josh and I have our picks for who we think is going to actually win the MVP. But when you get down to the nitty-gritty of it, everybody gives their picks. And, I mean, we did that last, we did that last night, and we, were kind of, we talked about it. But we, you don't know, we really thought it would be better to kind of focus more on who we feel are the front-runners for the MVP race. Part pardon me, my did not silence my phone. Excuse me for that. Unbelievable, Jerry. I know. You'd think I'm a professional or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we're we're giving our front runners for this because right now we're a quarter of the way through the season, but it's still really tough to tell who's gonna who's gonna take it home. And I I have my pick, Josh has his pick. We could debate that, argue that all we want. Where does that get us? Nowhere. So to kind of kick things off, let's start with one that I don't think anybody thought would happen. He got he got some great he his team signed some great receivers in the offseason. He managed to really he's really shown us what he can do. He's becoming a top he's becoming a top tier quarterback right in front of our eyes. And we are talking about Josh Allen. Of Buffalo of the Buffalo Bills. Now he he is definitely not my pick, and I know he's for a fact he's not your pick, Josh. That's true. I love him, but he he's not my pick. He's been playing great. He's playing fantastic. Like there's no no discount to that guy. 
And I mean, he is, like I said, he's becoming a star right before our eyes. And I mean, just wow. The Bills have not only managed to give themselves a chance to win the AFC East, but they have given themselves a chance to go relatively far in the postseason. Will they make the Super Bowl? I think the I think there's still some pieces missing there. And plus, if you do manage to make it far in the postseason, you have to face either the Baltimore Ravens or the Kansas City Chiefs, and those teams are going to be pretty much the New England Patriots of the future where we're going to see them in that AFC Conference Championship time and time again. At least one of those teams will be there. Pretty much every year for the next, like, 10 years, I think. Or until Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes tr- switch teams, but Patrick Mahomes is stuck in Kansas City for 10 years. Yeah, for a while. For a while. A while. <laughs> Not... <laughs> but, I mean, what can you say? Josh Allen has what I consider is... What I would consider the most improved receiving core in the NFL you know, with the signing of Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley, I mean, they've become Josh Allen's favorite targets. I mean, Stephon Diggs has been targeted 35 times. He's got 403 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, that's amazing. You're getting good projection from him. You got Cole Beasley. And then on top of it, you have John Brown and Devin Singletary, who have also been just playing outstanding. I, I mean, Josh... What, what more can we really say about Josh Allen's play with this receiving core? Um, I, the thing that stands out with Josh Allen for me right now is his progression. You mentioned it. He's becoming a top-tier quarterback right in front of our eyes, and he really is. From his first to second to third year now, I believe he's in his third year. Yes, he is. Yeah, he's he's about there. Third or fourth year, he, you could visibly see how much better he has gotten from each season. And this year, he looks tremendous. He's making all the right reads. He's thrown 12 touchdowns on the season with only one interception. He has looked tremendous. He's averaging nine yards per throw or nine air yards per throw. But going to the receiving court, Stephon Diggs has been one of the best offseason acquisitions in my mind because of what he's been able to do for this Bills team. He's got 403 receiving yards, averaging 15.5 yards per reception with two TDs and a long of 49 yards or a big play of 49 yards. But the thing that stands out most to me with Stephon Diggs, he's got eight big plays on the season. So that's 20 yards or more. That's incredible. Josh Allen hasn't had those kind of receivers ever. John Brown is a really fast down the field, deep threat receiver but he's not a true number one and he was never going to be what he has been doing this year. And that kind of complimentary piece until he got a true number one in front of him, which is what Stefan Diggs is. Yeah. I love John Brown with what he's able to do now because you can put him in the slot. You can have him go deep and Josh Allen has a big arm. He can put that ball right on the money for John Brown, but Cole Beasley as that underneath slot threat as the primary slot threat is a beautiful, beautiful orchestration of the offense because if we remember what Cole Beasley did with Dallas, he was always one of the most sneaky receivers on the field. He was finding those openings in the defense, sitting in those holes in the zone. He just 
has a great situational awareness for what he needs to do to be successful and to make his quarterback successful. And I, I genuinely think the sky is the limit for this Bills team, and Josh Allen is is looking like a front runner for the MVP, and I think he will stay in that top three area until you know we either see a dip from him or a boom from him. Yeah, well, and it's kind of funny you, we look at this. He's completed 70 percent of his passes. He's got he has thrown. He's one of the top five quarterbacks for most passing yards this season. I think he's number three at this yes. point. And he's got one. He has a thousand three hundred twenty six yards passing. He's averaging about three hundred fifty two yards a game, and he's got a great quarterback rate, a passer rating of one twenty two point seven. I mean, this guy. I did not expect this. I figured, okay, this is going to be one of those situations where both Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley are just going to, this is where their careers die. <laughs> I'm not, I, I'm, I, you, I know you're not joking either. No, yeah, I was, <laughs> I, I thought that, and it has nothing against Josh Allen. It's just at the time, Josh Allen was still kind of in the learning phase. His his offensive line really wasn't that good. They're They're better now, I would say, but they're not, great but i mean he josh allen is really improved and this offseason has shown that he they can go far but i am not going to say he's a definitive one because we won't know anything like you said until he either gets super hot or maybe if he falls off and i'm gonna say if we we're gonna see that after their bye week because that's where we see teams who are super hot fall off and die most times they just it just happens. Granted, it's not all the time. You have teams who come off the bye week and just dominate, like like San Francisco did last year. They had a bye week in week four, and then they just swept, they cleaned house. Okay, Jerry, let me ask you this. Okay, so I'm looking at the Bills' schedule right now. They have a week 11 bye, and they come out of their bye week to play the Los Angeles Chargers, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, Denver, New England, Miami. What what do you think they they go there? Are you seeing like a three and three, two and four, four and two? What what are what makes you think that they're gonna drop off after their bye week? Well, let's see. You said they play Los Angeles Chargers, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, Denver. I say, and people can get mad at me for this, and I, and I'm gonna say it. I say they go two, two and four. Interesting. Here's why. Here's why. You're gonna beat. You're gonna beat Denver, and you're gonna beat Miami. There's no question about that. Sadly Los Angeles yes. Chargers. They may. They look bad now, but I think the Chargers are gonna are about to hit their stride at pretty soon here. I agree. They've, ju- they've just. They've just announced Justin Herbert's gonna be their quarterback. He's going to be that starter for the future. He's been playing fantastic. They're looking great. They've. They've had one of the tougher schedules mm-hmm. in the beginning of the season. So I think they're about to hit their stride where they go on a on a run. San Francisco, it's San Francisco. You're and by that time, you're gonna have Richard Sherman and Jimmy Garoppolo back and Raheem Mosert back. Because this is week 13. They still have some injuries on that defensive front. They will have some injuries on that defensive is- front, but I mean, you'll you'll have your starting quarterback <laughs> returning. You'll have your starting secondary captain returning on defense on the defensive side. You've got your number one running back returning for well, they will be back, and it's a prime time game. 
and I I can see the San Francisco 49ers winning that one. And then the following week, you'll play Pittsburgh. Yes, you are at home, but Pittsburgh and Ben Roethlisberger, they're doing really good this season, and I think they're going to continue that all at least up until enough to get a wild card spot because they're not winning that division at all. And then if if this if there's no more hiccups, uh, the Patriots, Cam Newton should be back, and he's been playing fantastic with the Patriots and Bill Belichick, evil mastermind Bill Belichick, defensively, he could have beat. They could have won against Kansas City if they had Cam Newton, and they made and they made some key stops. They would have won that game against Kansas City, I think, because Bill because Bill Belichick and that defense knows how to give Patrick Mahomes fits. And if he could do that to Patrick Mahomes, I can only imagine what they could do to Josh Allen. So I can real I I think four and two, at best three and three, and they pick up a win against the Los Angeles Chargers. So you're thinking two and four. You said that backwards. Two and four, three or, and three at best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. That's and what I'm. With that New England game, we'll get a good look of how Bill Belichick and the Bills are going to kind of play each other in Week Eight for their first matchup. But I, I agree with your sentiment right there. The Bills, they have an interesting schedule after their bye week with some really good teams outside of Denver and Miami. Sorry, Denver. I know I'm, yes, Broncos fans. I am also a Denver fan. We suck. Get used to it. Well, and let, let's put this in this way. The Titans are going to be playing. They play the Tuesday game. The Titans are a very good team. Ryan Tannehill, they're one of the undefeated teams at the moment. Kansas City, they play next week in a primetime game. We skip New York because that's that's a that's Jets. a glorified bye week with a <laughs> with a massacre. You don't even have to say which team it is. You can yeah. just say New York and then leave it up to the imagination. In this case, yeah. it's the Jets. It's the but, Jets. But either way, if it was the Jets or the Giants, it's it's a win. Yeah. Then you play New England your first time, and I I, I would assume that Cam Newton's going to be back for that one. He should be. Then you go to play Seattle and Arizona. So over this uh, five, ten, over this six-week stretch, you play you play five teams that or that could beat you, realistically beat you, and their defenses are re- de- Seattle's defense is not the greatest, but they can make stops when it matters the most. But I mean, Kansas City, Tennessee, Arizona has been really good. And New England, those are going to be your test games to see how well Josh Allen is actually, how consistent he's going to be down the stretch. I agree with you. That's when we really kind of figure out if Josh Allen and this Bills team are going to be contenders and if Allen will be uh, sticking in the MVP race. Yep. Moving on, because we kind of spent more time than I wanted to on that one. Um, This other guy, the second guy on our list, he is he is on a war path. He's hungry. He's looking to keep his job. He's he's been plagued with injuries these past couple of years, and now he's working. He's on his second year with this new coach. They draft a quarterback in that first round, or his team drafts that quarter a quarterback in the first round that everybody says is going to be your his replacement. And he said, "No way." And I'm talking about Aaron Rodgers. That he. That Jordan Love draft must have lit something inside him because he has something to prove now. And he, I mean, 
all of his team's success has not just been from Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Aaron Jones has been play, having a fantastic season. But you can't discount what Aaron Rodgers has done. And Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, has a, has at least a top five receiving core. I mean, they look really good. And I mean, looking at Rodgers' stats, he's completed over 70% of his passes. He's He's got a thousand, he's sixth in the league for passing for passing yards as he has a 1214 yards. He's got 13 touchdowns, no interceptions and has a passer rating of 128.4, marginally better than Josh Josh Allen's. And I I think they can keep it up. I think they can keep Aaron Rodgers can keep up this pace much better than Josh Allen can. And Josh, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is we we haven't seen Aaron Rodgers play like this in a while. It's yeah, it's been a a long time since he's played with this kind of chip on his shoulder. He's really on that war path, like you said. The th- one thing that has really kind of stuck out to me is his QBR, and as he he has a better QBR than both of the other guys that we are going to talk about in this section segment with Allen, as we previously talked about, and then quarterback, which we will get to next. He has Rogers has a 92.8 QBR so far, which is about 10 points higher than Allen and about, Oh no, 10 points higher than our other, our next guy and five higher than Allen. Yeah. No, uh, about four points higher. I was I was rounding up. Yeah, give or take. Give or take. It's four four or five. But the thing that kind of sticks out to me right now with, with Aaron Rodgers in this Packers offense specifically is they have scored 30 points or more in each of their first four games. They did not average anywhere near 30 points per game last year, and that, I think, is a huge, huge bump. Now, I agree with you. Rodgers probably has a top five receiving core in the league. But in these previous two weeks, Aaron Rodgers has won games without his top two targets. Devontae Adams has missed two consecutive weeks now with a hamstring injury. And Alan Lazard, his second favorite target who went off in week three, had to get a core muscle surgery right after that week. He, and he will be out for six, four to six weeks, possibly more. Now, last week, Robert Tanyan, the second-year tight end out, I don't, for Rodgers, for the Packers, led them in receiving yards with 98. And while I, I know Robert Tanyan is a good tight end, Aaron Rodgers absolutely put this man on the map this week. He had two touchdowns, 98 yards, and became a top tight end, not only in fantasy football, but in the league. He, he looks really good. And I'm not going to discount the fact that Aaron Jones has been a huge help for Aaron Rodgers with the offense. But Aaron Jones has really only had one tremendous, tremendous week, and that was in week two against the Lions when he scored two rushing touchdowns and one receiving touchdown. I, I'm i not going to discount that. He, Jones had 168 yards rushing in that game and 68 yards receiving against the Lions as they won 42-21. to 21. But... Aaron Rodgers in that game also had 240 yards passing, which was his lowest mark of the season. And that's really good still. 240 has been put up by a lot of quarterbacks, 
and they have won games with that mark. His highest output was in week one with 364 yards, but Aaron Rodgers looks like vintage Rodgers. And you know, Jerry, you remember uh, the, the John Wick quote from the first movie where he says, everybody keeps asking me if I'm back, and you know, I'm starting to think I'm back. You know, Aaron Rodgers is saying the same thing. Everybody's been wondering where he's been, what happened to him. Well, let me tell you, he is back, and he is all the way back, baby. Yeah, and I mean, he is. He is just, he's ready. And I think they have a bye week, so this week. So he will, they get a break. He can rest up. You know, maybe some of his weapons will probably be coming back. And they will open. They will come out of that bye week going to Tampa Bay to face Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, who who lost to Chicago on a on a <laughs> on a mistake by Tom Brady because he because he he forgot what down it was, yeah. if I'm correct, mm-hmm. which is un unheard of from Tom Brady. But we don't yeah, need, but yeah. we can get into that later. But I mean, Josh, you you brought up. You, you didn't bring it up, but you were telling me before the show, he was on the Pat McAfee show, and they asked him that kind of question. And the, the quote you just said is pretty much what he said here. The context of the question is like, where, where have you been? Are you back? Um, what's been the story or something? Yeah, Pat, like Pat was kind of asking about um, the second year that – or Aaron Rodgers' second year with Matt LaFleur and kind of how the offense is looking. And he also brings up how in previous years – Rodgers or a lot of people media members have been really kind of doubting Rodgers saying he's washed up and this was his response massive advantage to maybe what was happening last year okay. I mean I don't know every every team is different every year is different and you know circumstances in in any year which allow you to have more success or, or make it more difficult for success just kind of depends on the situation um, it does help being a second year for sure I feel a lot more comfortable but you know, I, I sometimes laugh when people talk about, you know, down years for me because a lot of times down years for me are career years for most quarterbacks. Yes! Wow. <laughs> I love it. I that, love it. That is, I just love how Pat McAfee and I, I forget the other guys. Hawk. Yeah, they just go, they're just like, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, I had the same reaction when I first saw it. I was like, oh. He really said that. Uh, But, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, he's definitely my second pick for MVP behind this guy. I'm pretty sure this this next guy is your second pick. Yes. Um, But let's kind of give – let's get an idea at this guy. He is coming in to his eighth season or I want to say – yeah, eighth season with – with this particular team. He's never had a losing record. He he was one of the best players in the NFL I, back in 2018 when this team was in a rebuilding year, quote-unquote. He led the league that year in passing yards, quarterback rating, and I believe touchdowns. And he also led his team in rushing yards. But despite all of that, also, before I get into that, he's got a Super Bowl ring. He could have had two if it wasn't for a blown call by his coach. Despite all of that, he's never 
gotten an MVP vote. Josh, who am I talking about? Russell Wilson, Mr. Unlimited. Let Russ cook. And and if you think I'm kind of kidding, this guy, Russell Wilson, has probably was one of one of the best deep ball throw throwers in the league. And if you really don't think, if you don't think I'm t- t- telling truth here, listen to this. Amazon's web services partnered up with Next Gen Stats to kind of give a rundown on what Russell Wilson looks like when throwing the deep ball. Now, granted, they're talking they're going all the way back through 2016, but it's still it's still interesting to hear these stat nu- stat numbers. Let's listen. The saying in Seattle these days is let Russ cook. And as it turns out, the longer you leave Russell Wilson in the kitchen, the more likely he is to cook up a five-star meal. According to Next Gen Stats, since 2016, Wilson has 119 touchdown passes when he's not under pressure, tied for most in the NFL in that span. And he's been just as hot when he has time this year, too. 9.9 yards per attempt, a passer rating of 140.1, both second best in the league. He's also completed 80% of those passes while throwing 14 TD passes, both of those tops in the NFL. Now, that, those numbers are unreal. You're, you're completing 80% of your passes. You have a passer rating of 140 this season. You're averaging about 10 yards a throw. And you have 14 touchdowns when throwing deep, not under pressure. Seattle doesn't have the best offensive line. In fact, it, it's still probably one of the worst, if we're going to be honest with each other. Yeah. He tied this past week. He tied Peyton Manning's touchdown record for most touchdowns thrown in the first four games with 16. And he's only got two interceptions, and those aren't even his fault. How has this guy never received an MVP vote? Yes, I've heard the stories. Oh, or heard everything. Oh, well, he that year it was it was all about Lamar Jackson, or that year it was all about Patrick Mahomes. For eight years, he's never had a losing record, and he has played outstanding. You you would think at some point he would have gotten a vote. Yeah, I think it's injustice on the voters' part to never give Russell Wilson just a single vote. I'm not talking about giving him the MVP, but a single vote. Just one. Just one. It's absurd that he's never received one vote to me. Yeah. And the guy, and if you still aren't believing me, that's what I'm saying here. He loves Russell Wilson, everybody. If you can't tell, I'm a Seattle fan. But I'm also, I'm, tr- I'm trying to be as unbiased as I am, as I can. And I feel like I'm doing a good job. You are. I'm, this was kind of, this is interesting to me. Yes, Aaron Rodgers has a better quarterback rating that, than both Josh Allen and Russell Wilson, but Russell Wilson's passer rating blows both of them out of the water. Russell Wilson has a passer rating of 136.7. He's fourth in, pa- in passing leaders for passing yards with, with, with 1,285 yards, and he's averaging 345 yards a game. His longest pass was 62 yards. And again, he's got 16 touchdowns and two interceptions in the first four games. I mean, come on. This guy has been playing outstanding. He's been playing out of his mind. 
And why is that? Well, Seattle's finally just letting him do the work. Seattle has thrown, on I want to say, about 52 to 53% of their plays. First down plays, mind you. They don't run on first down anymore. They just throw it because they're going to let Russell Wilson do what Russell Wilson does. Chris Carson only has their got their go-to running back only has 237 yards this season, which is average for mo- for a lot of running backs this year, but they're not going to him as much. He's got 53 attempts. Last year, uh, last these last seasons, he by this point he'd have probably over 100 attempts cuz they cuz Seattle is a run-based offense. To in its core with his coaching staff, but the coaching staff has decided has pretty much said Russell Wilson's going to be the guy. We're going to give let him carry the load, and he's going to be that decision maker, and it's working. They they had a close game against Miami, but that's not even Russell Wilson's fault. That's more credit to to Miami's defense than anything, and Seattle's defense having some hiccups. No, I will not let you slander Ryan Fitzpatrick like this. Ryan Fitzpatrick had a had a good game, but Seattle but Seattle's defense is not as good as it used to be. They're better, but they were out Jamal Adams at their go to guy now, and they just don't have a pass rush. That's fair. But so I, would- I am going to I, I will say what I want, dang it, <laughs> and you will listen. No, Jerry, you know that there are two players on the Miami Dolphins team that I will never, ever let get slandered, and that is Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Devon- a.k.a. Fitzmagic, and, and Devontae Parker. Parker. But Devontae Parker's on your fantasy team, so that's biased. So. Well, yeah. So I, not, don't, I don't listen to you. I'm not saying it wasn't biased. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, though, they have been playing outstanding. They got a big win against New England. Their defense came up with a big stop, but Russell Wilson made Bill Belich- evil mastermind Bill Belichick's defense look silly. I agree. And I think the Seahawks offense with Chris Carson kind of taking more of a backseat role and Russell Wilson throwing the ball more, being that primary guy, touching the ball every play, not only to throw it, but he also is their second leading rusher with 18 carries and 95 yards this year. I think him taking that more primary leadership role on the offense taking everything into account and being accountable for everything has really helped the Seahawks Russell Wilson looks like one of the best quarterbacks in football the issue for me with him right now and why he wasn't my MVP was his sack numbers and I know that's not entirely on Russell Wilson he doesn't have the best offensive line but as a quarterback it's your job to avoid those kind of sacks and whether it's throwing the ball away or just trying to extend it and get back to the line of scrimmage, he can't take 11 sacks so far. Four games, 11 sacks for 73 yards lost is just too much for me. So that's why he wasn't my MVP so far. But 16 touchdowns, two interceptions, easily, easily one of the best quarterbacks in football right now. And he looks like he's not going to slow down anytime soon. Well, Ed, it's kind of surprising you say that. Because this week, they have the primetime matchup against Minnesota, and then they go into a bye week. Immediately after that bye week, they face Arizona, San Francisco, Buffalo, and the Rams, L.A. Rams. Looking at that, Seattle, at I think, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this here, Seattle 
most likely can go two and two. Worse, at worst, they go one and three. At best, they win all four of them. I don't see that happening. I, now, I now actually, here's why. Because Seattle, regardless of how good they are, they will always split with Arizona, San Francisco, and the Rams. I don't know what it is. They just there's never a definitive winner in the in the NFC West as far as divisional games go. I think over that four game stretch, they go three and one, and then they play Arizona right after the yeah. Rams again. I think they lose that game to Arizona, bringing them to three and two. See, but see, I, I was think actually thinking first one. I was actually thinking the opposite. I think they lose in Arizona and win in Seattle. Grant, but Seattle, Arizona's actually had probably more of the best luck in Seattle than in Arizona. So that that could be possible. The game I actually see them losing is not even to San Francisco or Buffalo. I think they can win those ones. It's but it, I see them losing to Arizona and the Los Angeles Rams. I agree with you on the Rams pick. I don't those know why. Because those two, well, because the Rams are like a dark horse team. They could they could just come in out of nowhere. Well, and they're like they're good, and they have a lot of injuries to their running backs right now. But they're like so inconsistent, where they will be really good one week, drop off the next, and then be really good the next. It just it doesn't make sense. But I have the same kind of feeling where they lose to. Uh, the Rams week 10. Yeah. So I'm thinking, I think realistically two and two coming out of that bye week, but then they go and play Philadelphia, New York giants, New York jets, Washington. That's a four and oh week right there. And then they close <laughs> out the season. Uh, oh, that's a four and oh stretch. Excuse me. And then they close out the season with against the chargers and San Francisco one and two, maybe Oh, and two, Best two and two. Or, Twelve and four finish is kind of what I'm thinking. Twelve and four, thirteen and three. Yeah. What? Yeah. So when we come back, we're gonna we're we're gonna talk COVID talk because NFL has been riddled this past week with outbreaks. Jerry Peralta, Josh Coleman, fired up. about the new buffer music i kind of i think we found some good ones here yeah uh, <laughs> i really like our new bumper music yeah um, but jerry peralta josh coleman wired up this week and if i don't know what's been happening nfl man they have just been the tennessee titans started it all the first full team to catch co to test positive for covid19 so bad to the point they had to cancel that matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers and move it. So the, both teams, their bye weeks moved to last week. But no more positive tests for the Titans. They get to play on Tuesday. The Patriots, Cam Newton tested positive. They almost didn't get to play against Kansas City, but they did. They barely got to. They barely got, they barely got to, but they I, still did, and they lost. I believe Stephon Gilmore tested positive yesterday. Yes, so he will not be playing, and I think Cam and Cam Newton is still in quarantine, mm -hmm. so he will not be playing. So you're already down two team leaders. And today, before our show even, the New York Jets had to shut down their facility due to positive COVID tests. They had to have all their meetings done virtually because of how bad it was. The problem now, the NFL needs to crack 
down on players and make sure they obey the guidelines. In fact, it's not even it's not even the commissioners or any of like the the head office guys from the NFL. It's the owners and the coaches and the players. Because for some reason, some of them just refuse to wear their masks. Some of them refuse to follow the guidelines. And look at what happened. Now, I said I said this last night, and I'm going to re-say this because this number just baffles my mind. Should the NFL need to postpone their season? That's a paycheck gone from the players, mind you. They, they, they will probably lose a lot of that money. They yes. will not get paid everything they are contractually obligated to get. But this is this is the situation here. If the NFL has to cancel or postpone the season, the NFL and its partners, all the te- this includes all the teams, all the cable channels that televise the games, all the advertisements that all the yeah, all the companies that pay to get their product advertised during games, they are all set to lose an estimated now that it could be more, could be less. This is estimated. An estimated $18 billion should this season end or get suspended. That is ridiculous. And no, it's, it, I, and I'll say this now. The NFL is not on the brink of collapse yet. They're, they're, not, they're not about to push everything aside just yet. And I, you know, I'll say this. Stephen A. Smith, we like to to play a lot of Stephen A. Smith on this, and he he has a good point in this clip where he's urging, urging the NFL to have, pretty much have the NBA's bubble mentality for the season. Mind you, you're not going to be able to do that with 32 teams, more than almost 100 players, 100 100 staff, Players, like, coaches, staff. Yeah, 100 players, coaches, needed. staff, like, on top of it. You can't do an actual bubble. Um, but you can you can organize it in a way. And I think Stephen A. Smith here, give me a second, has like, has probably a good idea, and I kind of have to talk for – or actually, Josh, what do you think of all this before I play this ad or before I play Steve, the Stephen A. Smith? I think um, initially right now the NFL – the league officials need to crack down a little bit more and create more kind of league-wide guidelines for teams to follow. And an example, like the Titans, there's a rumor coming out that um, they weren't strictly enforcing their mask protocol. Well, and players, I guess during quarantine too, it's mm -hmm. rumored that they were all having illegal practices. Yeah, they were meeting. And so if things like that are going to happen and then get reported in the media or have reports come out, I think the NFL just has to crack down immediately and make an example of the Titans. They need to find them a fair amount of money from the team. And then they also, I think the best way to put it across will be for them to forfeit their last two games that they missed. Either forfeit or um, take away draft picks. Yeah. What? Something, draft picks or forfeit. Got, something has to happen. Mm-hmm. And this something is, this, drastic. Yeah, drastic. And this is Stephen A. Smith talking about the NFL needs to have, their players need to have a bubble mentality. My position is this, and I wanted to throw this by Keyshawn because I've thrown this by Max in the past. We look at the NFL, Keyshawn. We look at the NBA, I'm sorry. And we have just 
praise them ad nauseum because of the bubble kind of atmosphere that they've had. I totally understand that you can't do that with 32 NFL teams, 1,696 players on a roster by the time the regular season begins. But what I have contended is that the kind of atmosphere that you're in when you show up to training camp, for example, and you're isolated at that particular moment in time, what's wrong with having guys in that kind of bubble in their individual respective cities at their NFL facilities, and then you can have family members come in Get tested before you come in, obviously. Make sure everything's good. But you guys do not get to leave but so much because we've got this season to protect. I understand that's going to be an incredible inconvenience. Please don't get me wrong. You know, he goes on and talks about how difficult it's going to be, which is true. It's going to be super difficult. But I think if anything is going to work for the NFL, that is kind of how they need to do it. I, I agree, and I believe it was you who said this to me yesterday, either before or after our Crossing the Line show, of if for their kind of bubble that the NFL could create, they can still kind of play and practice in their hometowns at their home facilities, but you can say let's rent out a hotel for the Denver Broncos team and every, and all of their staff and faculty, everybody that needs to be on site um, for each practice and game. Let's put them all in a hotel in one central area so that we can monitor who they're with, um, what they're doing, like what they're doing before and after practices. Are they going to the grocery store? What I, I'm curious of what these NFL players are doing when they leave the facility, especially with the Titans and the Jets, because those are the only two teams that have had to shut down their facility in the regular season so far. Yeah, and I mean you would think you you would think you're right you would have like a regulation like okay, when you travel to a different state, you don't go anywhere except the hotel and the stadium or and you have food delivered. You would think that's what you would do. But the biggest the concern here is what happens when you have players who not only dis- disregard the protocol but then complain about it. Darius Slay, I think he said in a tweet, I felt the NFL should not have played the 2020 season. Stephen A. Smith again. Yes. I'm going to bring this clip because he went off. And he has a point. Not Darius Slay. Stephen A. Smith has a point. I think they both have a point. No. Well, well you listen to the clip. <laughs> You'll see where I'm coming from here. No, I I, I get you. Yeah, like, there. There, there was a, the NFL asked you a specific question back in June. I think maybe June or July before training camp. Do you want to play? Do you want to play or do you want to opt out? The fact that you are complaining now about the NFL not playing the season, they gave you a choice and you decided you, you had to, you need, you wanted your paycheck more. And this is what Stephen A. Smith kind of had to say about that. is aimed at the players. I'm tired of hiding how I really, really feel about some of these NFL players that have been complaining because it's really getting on my damn nerves, and I'm just going to say it, but I don't give a damn how controversial it is, okay? The NFL, like other sports, have given players the option to play or stay home. If you want to get paid, 
your full salary, you will play. If you want your your pay com- compromised because you didn't show up to work, it will be compromised. It's not vicious. It's not malicious. It's not selfish. It's reality. In order to pay folks money, you need to generate money to have to pay them. Yeah. You want to get paid? Well, there has to be something. You can't you can't just get paid what you're owed when you're when there's no money being made at the time. I I agree. I agree with that point. And it's a good sentiment that Stephen A has has right there about yesterday on first take i I probably should mention both of these clips were from first take episodes um Stephen a has a point and the reason i said darius slay kind of has a point before you played that clip is because yes there is an argument to be made that the nfl realistically should not have played the 2020 season but to Stephen a's point they gave them the chance to opt out and they gave them the chance to have it and if you opted out it's not like you're missing out on that money all that happened is your contract was basically paused and it just resumed next year. Now, for guys like Darius Slay, who were upper echelon players in the NFL and not really in risk of losing their entire livelihoods yeah. if they opt out, I, I don't uh, agree with his sentiment of we shouldn't have played because he's making so much money and he's made so much money in the previous years that it's realistically, it would not ha- have affected him the same way if he opted out. Now, guys like undrafted free agents, undrafted rookies, lower-tier draft picks, there's they're not making the same kind of money. So that's why I think it was kind of good for the NFL to keep a season going, even during the pandemic, is because they're not making the same kind of money. They're not making millions and millions of dollars. They still have to go work and grind for every dollar they earn. So I I agree with Stephen A's sen- sentiment of don't you can't say this because if there was no season there's no pay for anybody. And if there with a season there's pay for some guys and most guys played. There was only a few opt outs. Yeah. But if you played to Stephen A's point if you played you do not get to then complain about the circumstances that you're in. Yeah. I, I mean, okay. Yes. Uh, and, and I mean, this is the kind of situation we're dealing with here where, you know, a play, you know, we're seeing it now with how, with the whole NF people complaining about NFL getting into politics. This is the situation with the, with the NFL players complaining about the situation they're in when they signed up for it. It's just what happens. And Yeah. I agree, Josh. You, you know, you decided you wanted to pay or, or pay play. You decided you wanted to play. You can't complain now. That's just that's not how this works. You you want to get paid. You got to play. And in order for you to play, you have to have a season. Mm-hmm. There has to be some sort of revenue coming into the league because without a season, Zero revenue outside of Jersey. And also, you have no right. There's no right to be complaining about this when players and coaches are not following. Yes, I can can see this. They're not following the guidelines, and I can see why, because the guidelines may not be as specific as you would like, but they're there. You're not following it, and it's obvious because we've already had two teams with outbreaks. A third team just happened today. 
what where would that end if you know yes you could complain but where does it end then because it's on the players to make sure that they stay safe and do what's what the league has required them to do in order to have the season yeah it's this is it's a big issue because Going into the season, we knew there was going to be COVID cases. We knew there was going to be teams. There was going to be one positive. team, yeah, that would have a COVID out t- case. The hope that I have for this NFL season is the fact that the MLB got through their regular season and they did kind of what the NFL is doing, or the NFL did what the MLB did, and everybody's still playing in their home facilities in their hometowns. But, so I think they can do it. I know the MLB. Has well, some natural social distancing built into the sport, but it gives me hope knowing that the MLB played sixty games basically back to back to back to back, um, and, and they had the, short it, amount of time. They had they well, and they did have the uh, outbreak earlier in the mm-hmm. season, but the moment that was caught, it they were perf- they were clean exactly. And like, I think if the NFL really does bring the hammer down on the Titans, it's going to discourage teams from doing kind of the same thing. Well, and they did find coaches for not wearing their mask and players. A lot of money. A lot of money, but I mean, in the end, it's really not going to do much because eventually, they're not. They're there's. It's still going to be the same. I agree Let, with you. I, I feel like at this point, though, Josh, we should probably move on because we yeah. are well over time here. Oh yeah, we are. I didn't even realize that. <laughs> We could talk about that the all we want, but we made our point, and, and we'll leave it at that. For the last thing, we're going to run through this as quick as we can. We're going to give our picks, our our boldest predictions for the for, for the playoffs after only a quarter of the season. Josh is going to cover the going to make the playoff picks for the AFC. I'm going to make the picks for the NFC, and. And that, that'll be hit. Josh, why don't you kick us off with the AFC? All righty. So AFC, I'm going to do this divisions, and then I'm going to get into my wild cards. So for my first division, AFC East, I have the Buffalo Bills to as my pick to come out of the AFC East. And it's strictly because the New England Patriots just don't look the same, whether it, it's just early kind of woes with Cam Newton still figuring out the offense. But the Bills look... Tremendous on both the offense and the defensive side and the Patriots as good as they are and as good as the evil mind evil mastermind Bill Belichick is I don't think that they're gonna be able to keep up with the Bills offensive output because I I see the Bills finishing with a record of 12 and 4 or better and the Patriots I'm I'm thinking 10 and 6 somewhere in that kind of ballpark ballpark so I don't think they're they win the NFC or AFC East moving to the West this one's pretty easy. I took the Chiefs. I don't think I have to explain myself too much on this one. They have one of the Patty greatest Mahomes. offensives. Exactly. They have one of the greatest offensive of all times. And Patrick Mahomes and an opportunistic defense, which I like. That's that they're my Super Bowl pick unless something drastically terrible happens with the team. AFC North, you're gonna hate this pick, Jerry, but I have the Pittsburgh Steelers winning. And it's nothing against the I Baltimore Ravens. You know, I don't hate it. I, I just need to hear the reason. I think they win this division very narrowly. I think that they either win it by tiebreakers or they're just one game better than the Ravens. And I say that because James Conner is looking good again. And I think it's because Big Ben, Ben Roethlisberger is back at the helm. 
Juju Smith-Schuster is looking like a number one wide receiver, which I'm not sure if he is a true number one or not. But if Juju continues to play well, they can get the ball to their other receivers, Eric Ebron, Deontay Johnson. They have so many other tools. James Conner starting to look like his old self, which, which is why they got rid of Le'Veon Bell. And the defense is still one of the best in the league. Tremendous, tremendous secondary. They get, they have good linebackers and a great pass rush. I don't see a ton of weaknesses in this team. Now moving on to the South, I took the Tennessee Titans just because this division is a dumpster fire. I really don't know how this is going to pan out. The Jags have looked good offensive, offensively, but the Titans, they have Derrick Henry who carried this team to the AFC Championship last year, and I can see him doing it again this year. I'm hoping Jadavion Clowney can do something for this defense, although I don't have the highest hopes because, you know, it's Jadavion Clowney, and he loves, loves to make people uh, second-guess him and what he is able to do on the football field. And the Colts, I just don't trust. I don't trust their quarterback, Phillip Rivers. He doesn't look nearly as good, and his arm looks like it has fallen off more than Drew Brees and Tom Brady, some of his other fellow older quarterbacks. Okay. Moving on to the wild cards, I have Baltimore Ravens as my number one wild card. They're one of the best teams in the NFL. Great offense, great defense. Lamar Jackson, one of the most athletic guys in the league. He needs to get back on track offensively, but I think they have the tools to do so. I'm not too worried about this team. Second wild card, I got the Patriots. Evil mastermind Bill Belichick is going to find a way to get this team into the into the playoffs. And Cam Newton... If he can run the ball with the same kind of success that he has been doing, that he's had in the first quarter of the season into the last three quarters of the season, this team will easily make the playoffs as a wild card going about 10 and six, I think. Wild card three, this one was a little more difficult for me. I picked the Raiders just because Derek Carr is looking good again. He's looking like his older self before his horrific leg break. He has weapons on the outside now in Nelson Aguilar. They added Jason Witten, who's a reliable tight end for goal line stuff, goal line plays. He he can score touchdowns, and he's still got good enough hands to contribute a little bit. He's not going to be a massive help to them, but they have Darren Waller, who is a top three tight end in the league, realistically the third tight end. And then Josh Jacobs in the backfield, second year. He's a tremendous back. And I love the fact, I love the way they use him on the ground and in the backfield. And their defense is up and coming, looks really good. And Max Crosby is is an up and coming D end who I think can make some strides this year. Okay, yeah, I get it. I I totally get that one. Now, mine's a mine's a little difficult because because a lot of teams. The wild card is going to be the most difficult one. There's one division that's going to be a hard pick um, in the NFC. But to, let's just start with the NFC least because that's the easiest one. I think if any team wins that division, I think, and this is going to sound weird, and I, and I hate the fact that I'm actually going to say this, I think the Dallas Cowboys win this. They have not looked great but they have not played a divisional opponent yet. They have not. So I need to see how well they will do against the Eagles and Washington. Washington beat the Eagles, so and the Eagles tied the Bengals. Just let... 
The fact that they can make the playoffs so with the losing record so bad, but the the Cowboys do it. The FC North, I think Packers take it. Aaron Rodgers is just on a warpath, and I don't see him losing that. The NFC South, okay, two divisions, because the NFC South is kind of hard. I think, I think the Saints win the division narrowly. I think they win by a game. I think that second matchup determines between uh, between Tampa Bay and the New Orleans determines who wins that division. I think that's fair. Yeah, and the NFC West, I say, I, I'm gonna say it. Seattle's just too hot right now. They're, I'm going to say it. Seattle wins. Their offense is just too hot. Russell Wilson's cooking. And I, I and yes, they're going to split the ser- series probably with both, all three of their divisional opponents. But I think their record will ultimately save them in the end for the tiebreaker. As far as the wild card goes, I think Chicago makes it. Nick Foles at their, uh, is looking great. Picked up a big win against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. I think... Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers make it. Tom, Bra- I mean, t- Tom Brady is probably going to be in another wild card. Is going is going to be in another wild card game. There's no doubt about it. Um, this is just a new team and a new system. It's going to take it, it. It'll probably be one more season before we actually see him. B- before we see some, any progress there. But they will make the playoffs. And I think in the NFC West, Arizona and the Los Angeles Rams flip that. Arizona and the San Francisco 49ers will make the wild card game. I would I was gonna say the Rams, but then I thought about it. The Rams are probably gonna fall off somewhere. I don't know where, but I think we will see something happen. So you think the injury riddled 49ers have a better shot than the Rams? Yes. Okay. I yeah. I, I can see it happening. Yeah. I don't discount the Rams blowing the season more than anybody. And I mean I mean, if I'm wrong, I'll be happy. I like it when San Francisco's not in the playoffs. <laughs> hey, I, I would say this. As a, as a fan, the Rams and the Cardinals are like, I do not, I don't like them because they're divisional opponents, but I don't have as much of a hatred hatred for them as I do San Francisco. And it's not even because I'm a Seattle fan. It's because I've never liked San Francisco and I've never liked the fa- I've encountered some fans in my day and I just do not like how those fans act. That's when, fair. When I don't them. like their fans either and I only know one of the <laughs> 49ers fans. But that's going to do it for us today. We are well over time. Um but but thanks again for listening. You can if if you missed the live broadcast, you can listen anywhere on Apple Podcast or Apple Podcast, Spotify, any place you can find uh a podcast and look up the wired up sports podcast with Jerry and Josh. And that'll be it. Thanks again for listening. And we will see you guys all next week.